everybody, and welcome to our first Mervelous Gamescast uh, in the Avocado Gamescast history. Um, I'll be your host today. Uh, it is the Kappa, and with me today, I've got Lord Stoneheart. Hello. I've got Brasan. Hey. And making his first podcast appearance, we've got Little Mac. Hello, folks. And I'm just going to point out here, we've never seen Merv and myself in the same <laughs> podcast at the same time. So. You got to have that, you got to have that Merv energy of, you know, candidate, Canadian, but also United States, but also very into yeah. the, the weeb culture. So it's, it's a hard act to follow, you know? So Merv's just got some stuff going on, nothing too serious, but uh, he's going to take a couple breaks. So we're going to try to keep the podcast rolling for a little bit without him. Um, I'll try to fill in best I can. I know I can't live up to it because every time people are like, oh, Merv, such a great voice. You so, sound so good on the podcast. And it's like, good editing, Kappa. <laughs> so, so we've got to start out with it kind of in honor of you know just keeping the podcast rolling. We do have... Now rolling into 2021, no longer 2020, Sonic Watch uh, to start out with. Um, so there was a Sonic Direct. Uh, looks like there's a new 3D Sonic game on its way coming out on basically all the major systems. And it's sure Sonic. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else saw it. It looks like it's on its way, but uh, still kind of still Sonic. It looks like colors. That's like my main impression of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird because you know I I think a lot of people have struggled with Sonic in a lot of different ways. What made Sonic popular? What made Sonic fun? Things like that. Um, and it looks like kind of the answer has just been people just are looking for platformers in some ways, right? Um, but I don't know. We'll see what the 3D Sonic ends up being. I guess. Um, so let's move on quickly because I don't want to talk about Sonic any more than I have to, uh, or I'm contractually obligated, I guess. Um, what have you guys been playing? Uh, start with Brasan. Oh yeah, I've been playing like a very Australian game. Uh, uh -oh. I've been playing uh, Gold Story on the Switch. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a replay, uh, honestly, and it's like still an extremely fun game. It was like one of those weird semi-indie launch titles they had for the Switch, if mm -hmm. I recall correctly. It's like an RPG light uh, golf game. It's very arcadey also. It has like a multiplayer mode, but the story mode is about you like um, getting the clubs of your uh, dead dad and then trying to get to the top of the golf game. But there's like a lot of wacky characters. You need to go to several courses. It's like all in 2D. Uh, you go like visit cavemen and you go like visit like an island like invaded with birds and yeah. you try to be, become the best golfer this this game yeah it was inescapable around launch um yeah. i i think it might have been the best switch game for a while uh that was probably yeah. not a nintendo first party right um yeah Really does a good job of using the the switch itself um, to kind of uh, like enhance the the game and everything. Now I've played a couple of mobile games that kind of have a similar idea to it, but I think the golf background game adds a lot to it, right? Like it's it's not super in depth golf sim, right? It's kind no, of no, a, no, yeah. <laughs> it's very pick up and play. That's like the fun part, but it's surprisingly hard. It's like you need to like calculate with wind and with like how the yeah, golf course lays because it sometimes like goes like uh, 
50, 50 degrees to the left because somebody like plays it like on a fucking hill or something. <laughs> it's 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 very wacky. It's very Australian in humor. It's like it's kind of like dark humor that's also like very funny and light at moments. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it keeps like making jokes about like old people dying and <laughs> you keep like uh, you go like one of the courses is like built on a former uh, graveyard which is now affected by ghosts. Yeah, that's awesome. And in one of the stages, you go like to um, to like find some people who have like frozen in, and there's like a golf mafia running around stealing balls. You <laughs> and know, then, like the track is like littered with uh, people frozen in blocks of ice, and you need to get like a fireball from a blacksmith to hit the hit them with them, and then they give you quests. It's very very funny. I, you know, yeah, one, go ahead. Oh, sorry. One thing that I really, really loved when I played Golf Story a, a few years ago was how the golf mechanic and the RPG mechanic collide because mm-hmm. all the side quests are solved with golf. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like this, getting getting the people out of the out of the ice blocks. You need you need a magical ball that you can hit and, and hit the ice blocks. There's never it's never like find a find a heat lamp. Yeah, I, I love yeah. the 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 mechanism with RPGs where the actual combat is not turn-based combat. Like I think about like stuff like Puzzle Quest. That was a, a thing for a while, you know, where you would you would have an RPG, but really how you combated each other was by doing uh you know like a sliding Tetrisy type game or something. Um, golf kind of had its moment for a while. I remember you remember Hot Shots Golf when that was a thing yeah. for a while. It seems like that was a that that one though, I think where they missed with that was that humor and that setting was very like Japanese based. I remember it being. Um, I think that that probably has a little bit more, uh, you know, juice out there. I think that's kind of more of a preferred genre there. But um, adding the RPG element to it, I think, has been a, a genius idea. Um, no, no, not really. Like I recall, like various humors, um, golf games, like from American publisher, like Golfer's Friends. Mm-hmm. You had like uh, dangerous golf, like that collision game. Sure, remember that? <laughs> well, I, uh, that had like a horrible launch, but it turned out to be pretty okay. Yeah, it was Golf with Friends must have came out right before um, Golf Story, right? Kind of right around yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember it came out later to all the consoles and stuff, but uh, yeah, there, there was there's definitely a little bit of a, a golf rebirth for the genre going on right now. I think maybe it's because, you know, we don't see many sports games outside of the big Maddens and, and NBAs and NHLs these days, right? So I think there is still, like, a push to play sports games. And I think golf is just a, a real natural fit for something that people kind of get on the surface and you can have a lot of fun with it. And it's one of those sports that it trans the, – the method that they came up with, like, in the earliest golf games for how it was going to play is so intuitive mm-hmm. that it pretty much carries – like. There are probably some golf games, I imagine, because I haven't played them all, that you could pick up and, and wouldn't immediately, intuitively understand, you know, press the button, at the top of the stroke, press the button, and then when it comes back down, press the button a third time. Right, right. Like, like I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's a very, like, mechanical procedure. Once you've played one golf game, you probably can pick up and play most other them, right? Just watch the little swing meter and, and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah, I remember, like, the Xbox and uh, PlayStation 2 lousing with like a shit ton of golf games. <laughs> you had like you had like that uh, hillbilly golf game, like 
I don't even know what's called. It was kind of like Jackass Pace. Oh, yeah. Outlaw Pretty Golf. Horrible. I think it was called Outlaw Golf. And it yeah, was supposed to be like edgy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like pure, like 2002, Johnny Knoxville rides a fucking golf car into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason I remember that one, uh, and it's in the top of my mind, is I think Steve Carell does the yeah. announcing one. It was just so weird. Like, you know, Steve, he was a pretty clean comedian at that time. You know, he's like a family guy type thing. And, uh, yeah, it was like uh, just really edgy golf game. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. But Yeah, like uh, Second City people have been liking games all the fucking time. There's like this 90s pinball game that mm-hmm. has like all their voices in it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, people like Tina Fey were in it. It was really weird. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Little Mac, what you've been playing? I've been playing uh, actually a, a lot of different things, but to boil it down to one, I think the the game that's been occupying me the most lately has been Ring Fit Adventure. Oh man! Oh yeah! This is yeah. a game of a year uh, on a, on the podcast nominee, right? Yeah, um, it's it's quite a game. I in mine also. <laughs> yeah, I've been still playing it, and it's like literally keeping me fit. Yeah, I've lost like several several kilos like playing it and cutting into my diet because it's like so much fun but also like um really nails the training but also mm-hmm. the fun part of it how how yeah. perfect of a timing for it too like like the start of a pandemic you come out with a fitness game yeah. you know yeah it, it's almost uh i'm happy that i got into it now because just as a gen- it's fitting really well into my life right now but two christmases ago it was on my christmas list when it just come out and that was the Christmas where on Christmas morning, my mother said, so I decided you're too old for video games. And then the pandemic came and it was like, well, mom, the joke's on you. Now, I'm, uh, now your son is going to die several years earlier. Than he was. <laughs> you could have <laughs> saved me, but you did it. Sedentary for, for months now. But, so I, I started trying to kind of turn my fitness around earlier in the year. And then when I finally, when I got my final grades in, I'm a, I teach at a university, so you can imagine the winter semester was just a nightmare <laughs> with the online teaching. Uh, so when I finally got those grades in, I, I looked up and it was like, well, I, I, it's been illegal to leave the house, and I, so I've got a whole bunch of money just sitting around. So I'm getting this game for myself, even though it's <laughs> more expensive than a normal game. It arrived, and I love it. It does a really impressive job of like Bresson was saying of merging the the fitness app aspect mm-hmm. with the game aspect it's not like we fit where there were like some arcade side games you could play but then it was mostly just you know using this balance board to try to right. basic exercises yeah this is a game that you play with exercise that then also has a whole bunch of arcadey side mini games in mm-hmm. so yeah. it all comes together very well it's it has charming hilarious dialogue as you know, which is basically standard for Nintendo by this point with their localizations. And it, I, I'm not through the main adventure yet, but it's starting to sort of really develop the backstory of the relationship between the villain, who is a sort of, he's called Drago, and he, he's like a big buff dragon man. He's basically, he serves as, a, as an embodiment of toxic fitness culture. Mm. And, and, I, and you beat him with hip thrust, right? Isn't that the... <laughs> yes. I remember that and meme. Your, your pal, the magical Pilates ring who can talk. But then the, the two of them have a backstory relationship that keeps getting little little crumbs dropped and 
it, there's a surprising amount of depth to the relationship between yeah. these uh, nice. personified object and, and giant guy. So it's, it's a ton of fun. If I, I, I don't really have any complaints, except that I wish at this point, because I'm pretty deep into the game, there was a way to increase the difficulty of the video game, video game part. Ah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a real side quest guy. So you throw a bunch of side quests at me, and I'm going to go do them, and you give me these arcade mini games, and I'm going to get S rank before I move on. Yeah. <laughs> and so eventually, now I'm so high leveled that, you know, I, I don't change my gear anymore because as long as I perform the exercises, even if I'm not performing the one that the enemy is weak against, I'm going to beat most enemies with one attack. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that part is is mildly disappointing because when you turn the difficulty up in the game. It, tr- it makes the exercise harder. Ah, so not the game part. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, you got to do more reps. And that's yeah, interesting. That's what I did because I'm like, um, my cardio was too shit. But before, like, um, I used to like weightlift and do stuff like that. So yeah, my um, my strength is like on um, like another level than it normally puts on because I started playing it and I was like beating levels way too easy. It's not like an humble drag, but like I was like getting bored. <laughs> put it on harder, and it's like uh, ripping my ass apart. It's it's insane. I'm like yeah. playing at like level like uh, twelve or something. I don't know the skill of my hand, but it's like extremely hard. But it's also like really rewarding. Yeah, I think I just hit. I'm at difficulty level twenty six right now. I think. And oh yeah. So yeah. it's got to the point because. Mostly what it does when you increase the difficulty, it just turns up the number of reps. So now yeah. I have to listen to the chipper, the the ring voice go, 30 left. Yeah. <laughs> the voice that he'll say, five left. And you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, nope. yeah. Uh, I started a new. I started a new game because I beat it. And it's like, yeah, the first level I started with like 70 reps for every exercise. And the funny part is it has like a touched up and the ring is done by the voice of a very famous mascot of a Dutch theme park. And oh. it's the worst. It's like <laughs> extremely like high spirited, like Kit Karkutun, like, let's go. Yeah, you did it. Woo. And that's like all the fucking time. And then you can meet like Rago and he's like speaking in these weird, semi crunchy 8-bit vocals. It's Does weird. Drago speak in the European version? No, 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 no. He, uh, he makes he makes like these weird grumbly eight-bit vocals. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. thought that was an odd choice to fully voice the ring. Yeah. Villain, but, well, so yeah. it's just this must at this point, this might be the most successful fitness game probably that I've ever heard of, at least, right? I mean, I I've heard very good things about it, but this was always a little bit in Nintendo's dream, right? They've been pushing yeah fitness for a long time and it's interesting that this one's i mean maybe right time right place right game right system you know everything kind of fell in place i think where this is maybe yeah this this is like the first game because the balance balance board did very well Mm -hmm. at being like a fitness app it was pretty acclaimed for that also but like yeah it wasn't a fun game it didn't have like really mini games and stuff yeah, I, I would say fitness plus game is, is probably where this one's successful. You know, I know that uh, Microsoft did a bunch with their Connect things. I yeah. think Sony had a couple things with those little ice ice cream cones. 
Um, but this seems like this is the one where they kind of finally all got it right. So maybe this is a new trend. Maybe they run with this one, you know? Yeah, well, now it, it's got me. I saw on Indiegogo, there's a there's a company trying to make a game where it's like the, the resistance band boxing training gear. If you're mm. familiar with that, you kind of put it on yourself. So it's yeah. restraining your fist when you punch. They're making a, a video gamified version of that. Uh, uh-huh. So you're going to like, it's like a boxing RPG. So it's like $300 to, to back it. But now I'm like, if they're shipping it at the end of the year, like I'm going to be done with it by then. Am I going to get up shape now? It's like going for a jog is horrifically boring when there's no adventure attached to it. <laughs> All uh, right. Might be, might be the start of a renaissance. The last yeah. thing I want to say before we move on sure. is <laughs> I, I totally played myself yesterday because I the there's this mini game crate crasher ring rapidly to produce puffs of air. And I was on the at the advanced version and I was like, I want to get the S, I want to get the S, and I eventually gave up because like my arms were getting exhausted. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go do the boss level and then I'm done. So I'm gonna when I go to the boss, like my arms are tired now, so I'm gonna bring all legs, abs, yoga skills. And then I get into the level, and it turned out the course leading up to the boss was just a gauntlet of the windmill doors that you open by rapidly. <laughs> so when I when I got my readout of my of my performance for the day at the end of, uh, at the end of my gaming day, I had done eleven hundred and ninety three ring press. Oh, oh, oh wow! <laughs> uh, like, my shoulders are a little, my, my triceps are a little sore today, but yeah, fun game. All right, Lord Stoneheart, what you've been playing? Uh, so um, on the PS4, I've been playing uh, Nier Automata. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yeah, wow! This is this is like the greatest hits uh, of last year so far, kind of. You guys. Oh, I think I think it's 2017. Yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah last year was. I think so. That was like when the complete version or something came out. I think. Um, but yeah, I, I remember. Near is is much beloved, I would say, uh, by most folks that aren't the Catholic. <laughs> How are you finding it? Uh, so, um, so it's more of like an, uh, an action RPG, which is not my strength, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm getting, uh, I'm getting better at it. Um, I have been, I have been spoiled a little bit. On, I, I don't really know. I've been spoiled on a story, but I do know that, uh, um, that the, the main character that you start out as, uh, the Android Two B, mm-hmm. uh, she's not the sole. I know she's not the sole playable character, but she's the only one that's been available to me so far. Um, but I feel like I've, um, I, I feel like I've gotten better at, uh, um, better at it as it goes along. And it, it's been helpful that, um, unlike other, um, action RPGs I've, tr- uh, I've, I've tried lately, um, you pretty much always have a, um, you pretty much have like a constant range to weapon that you can, uh, that you can fire at, um, at all times. Mm-hmm. And some bosses are immune to it, which throws me off. But uh, I've compared, like, if comparing it to like when I tried to play uh, Dark Souls back in 2014, I I, I I I find I'm making much more progress. Yeah, and and how are like, are you playing it more as a as a game, or are you playing it more as like the RPG? Are you taking your time with it? Like, what's kind of working for you with it? So I know there's a lot of 
uh, side quest that I think you're expected to do to level up and such. But I, I haven't been, like, actively seeking... I've been mm-hmm. kind of, like, hyper-focused on the main story because I really want to see where it goes. Uh, it, there was one... Like, there's, there's some things that, like, I, I, I kind of have a feeling, like, where it was going with, but there's a lot of things, a lot of, like, developments in the story that just sort of catch me off guard and that are really different than other, um, other video games video games especially everything um everything with uh uh the robot uh the robots adam and eve mm-hmm. Th- those those cutscenes were pretty weird yeah it gets yeah. a little philosophical right like <laughs> a little bit more like yeah yeah what is like, it to be it a human with, uh, <laughs> uh it, it, be- it begins with to, uh to be being a little philosophical and then at the end of a little speech she's just like and that's why if I like if I meet the meet the person who created this world, I want to kill them. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's, uh, there's a genre of JRPG for like that that just that it just really sums it up there. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's like you know if you ever introduce like a church or like a pope in any JRPG, you know they're gonna be bad, right? Like that's oh, always yeah. kind of almost, one of those ideas. Almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, 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 well, well, yeah, J- JRP- I can't come, I can't think of like exceptions right off the top of my head in, in JRPGs except for uh, maybe the tra- uh, maybe the Trails games, but also I haven't played enough of the Trails games mm. to really know know if uh, how the, the church factors into that. Well, what I've been playing is a little game called Maneater. Um, I okay, so. I don't know how much y'all have heard about Maneater, <laughs> but um, it feels like such a throwback of a game to me in a lot of ways. Like, it's the kind of game I could actually see myself playing, like, at an arcade almost. Um, it's a game where you play a shark that just needs to eat stuff. That's pretty much it. There's collectibles. There's a really genius kind of, like, framing device of there being a reality TV show about a guy who kills sharks for a living. Um uh, voiced by Chris Parnell as the narrative guy or like the narrator to the reality show. Uh, in the beginning of the game, a shark kills your mom, cuts you out of the shark as a little baby shark, and then puts marks you, then throws you into the, the fresh water where actually you can magically live because you're a special shark. And you just have to go eat stuff to get really big and get your revenge on the, the guy who killed your mother. Um, but, Man, is it a fun game. Um, the controls are a little bit – take a little bit to get used to because you're piloting in that kind of like 3D space of water, right? So you can go up, down, left, right a little bit. Um, the the biting mechanic is a little bit weird. There's like a lot of tap versus hold type things with the with the biting. Uh, but once you get rolling with it, it's a real fun arcade type game. Um, I'm playing it on Game Pass, which isn't costing me nothing, which is nice. So um, I've been really enjoying just kind of jumping in and figuring out how to – how would a shark take on an uh, an alligator or a barracuda or, and then kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually having to take on – I think you kill whales. <laughs> just ridiculous stuff. Um, and, you know, you, you perform all these, like, dodge rolls and jumping out of the water and you're eating people off boats. And it's it's very – violent but kind of that like stylized violence you know where you're just a a shark with an attitude type thing so it feels like a, a game that i would have played a lot more in the 90s and then i remember i did play a jaws video game it was one of the worst games i ever played in my life yes it was awful 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 i think there was also another shark game that came out not too long ago but um i think it was kind of like more of like a 
like a maybe like an arena shooter type thing where one person was the shark and four people. I didn't I didn't check it out much, but um, you know, for a little like bite size arcade game, um, you know, to kind of throw on and, and just kill some time and, and eat some people off boats, uh, I really do enjoy it. And you know, it's not a ten out of ten game. I know that it's you know like a seven ish out of ten or something type game, but um, uh. I think one of the things that I notice really easily uh, or early is that you have to pay a lot of attention to how different things attack you, especially the alligators early on. Uh, you know, they all have different moves. They do rolls, they jump back, um, they hit you with their tail. Uh, so you're almost learning like each enemy uh, as you come up to it. I don't want to say Dark Souls, but kind of that feel to it, you know, where you have to like you, you meet a new enemy. It's like, OK, how does this one try to attack me or get at me? And then eventually you're learning the patterns and it's like, oh, another alligator. Um, but yeah, I, I really am enjoying Maneater, uh, and it makes it puts the song in my head every time I fire it. <laughs> so that's a nice little plus. Um, but yeah, pretty decent. Uh, I think they call it a shark PG. Get it? Uh. <laughs> it's, it just reminds me of uh, Jaws Unleashed. Like, yeah. Yeah, I said like uh, before, like yeah, the Xbox game. That game was pretty good, but it mm-hmm. was really janky. Mm-hmm. So if they like updated that, yeah, I'm up for that. But it's like only um, PS5 games so far, if I recall. Yeah, I, yeah, I think. Um, you know, one of my favorite games growing up was a game called Evo. Do you remember that one, where you Ooh, start yeah. out as a little yeah. fish and you eat more and you get more DNA points and it lets you get into a bigger fish or put on a horn or things like that. And eventually you go all the way to, I don't remember where it stops. I think there was an ice wall that was broken and I never could get past it. But um, it reminds me a lot of that, that kind of a game. Like, you know, you're evolving and you're gaining abilities and they're ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I mean, your shark can do like backflips out of the water while it's covered in bone that deflects bullets, but um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it's, it's that kind of idea. Like, okay, you know, eat, get stronger, grow, adapt. It does feel RPG ish to me um, kind of in a, in a, in a, in a smart way um, where, you know, you're bonding with your shark on, on his mission to basically kill this, evil jerk while Chris Parnell uh, narrates over the game uh, in, in real kind of snarky reality host manners. Um, you know, because in his mind, you're the bad guy, right? So you're this evil shark going around eating everybody. Yeah, I guess you are the bad guy, but you got your reasons. <laughs> so. well, I got a, I, a friend of mine just loves sharks so much and like, like her political cause is constantly sharing memes to try to educate people about how sharks don't actually kill humans. <laughs> We shouldn't be killing – got to tell her about this game. Yeah, she's going to love it. And the, the she evil... would have no time connecting to the perspective. <laughs> the bad guy's named Salty Pete, and he, he lives up to it. He's like a Cajun, you know, like you know, like those croc hunter shows where they go around and like the, the crocs aren't really hurting anybody, but, you know, they're just shooting him in the head and whatever. I guess they're performing some type of service. But, um, you know, it, that's kind of his role, except he's out there just killing sharks because they might be bad. Um, and then, you know – you, you're actually the, the shark that everybody says should be there. So uh, fun game. I mean, it's, it's you know, an inch deep in terms of a lot of stuff, but I'm really enjoying it. So um, I guess that's what we're playing. Let's talk a little bit about something else real quick. And I don't want to get too in-depth this because I have a feeling we will be digging into this really soon. But a couple of E3 previews and leaks uh, have hit lately. Um You know, this is evolving. By the time the podcast actually hits, we'll have a lot more. Um, But I think maybe there was two or three that we wanted to talk about real quick. Um, Brisson, I think you wanted to mention one. I think that just came out today, right? A trailer just came out today as of, what is it, the 6th? 
Yeah, the six. It came out yesterday, I think. It's for the Vertigo the game, which is officially licensed from the Alfred Hitchcock estate. Mm-hmm. And it kind of looks like one of those um, semi-indie titles Xbox puts out. Like, um, there's no gameplay. Uh, there's only like a stylish trailer. Mm-hmm. But it looks pretty good. It's like a lot of black and red. It's like the movie itself. And honestly, uh, Vertigo makes for a pretty interesting game. Yeah. It's like all about being chased and being afraid of things that might be there or might not be there. And just like uh, dealing with your own angst. And it's like you can easily make like... Um, like uh, You can switch it like a lot of ways. You can do like uh, a Super Meat Boy kind of game where you like yeah. jump around... And try to escape like your fears or you can do like a puzzle game where you try to find clues like what is causing uh, this distress to you you can do like a lot of it yeah, you know it looks interesting for what, sure. the the art style first is, is gorgeous i love that kind of yeah, look it cool. looked very cool um it kind of has that feeling a little bit to me of like a telltale looking game like yeah, you sure. know uh, I'm sure it's it's not that, but I, if I had to like kind of guess a frame of reference for what I would expect this game to be when I played it, I think that telltale kind of feel. Um, but what really nailed it for me in that trailer was that kind of like final scene where they put that vertigo from the movie effect over the character's eyes to kind of mimic, yeah. you know, the, I don't know, panic or, or whatever. I was like, okay, yeah, this, this feels really cool. Um, but it looks like they're kind of running with a lot of Hitchcock influences, which is... Man, uh, you know, if the world of video games can start mining some real classic cinema, I think we're all we're all probably for that. Uh, you know, depending on how how good you can make it, but I think that's yeah. a pretty fertile ground to to look at some of that stuff. Uh, I think I think it's also by the guys who did like Garfield Cards and mm-hmm. the recent god awful X I I I remaster. Oh yeah, oof, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Oh Garfield Garfield Cards is pretty fun. Yeah, he yeah. Also that, did that was the a Super, sleeper Siberia hit. games, which I really like but also are like pretty janky mm-hmm. so yeah i'm looking forward to it it should be interesting yeah the one i wanted to mention was the uh xcom slash marvel game um this to me has me excited on a million different levels one i can't believe we haven't had a good marvel game since Jeez, i mean i i, I don't want to count spider-man that's kind of its own thing right but like going outside of that maybe Hulk Ultimate Destruction, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. I don't know. It's been it's been dry out there for fans of Marvel games, right? Um, Marvel-based so, Capcom? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not my most word. recent version of that. But it's, I think the latest came out like six, eight years ago or something. Mm. It's it's just been – I mean, it's been weird that like the, the driving force of our cinema – is so perfect for video games and yet <laughs> like what we got that really horrible avengers game and that's about it right that thing people are probably like oh yeah that exists right as i said that <laughs> um but uh yeah it's i i don't know um i think XCOM is a very good template to put marvel characters in because you do have to figure out how to make it feel dangerous to be the Hulk or Captain America or things like that. And XCOM always has a good sense of dread. What's around the next corner? What's going to happen? You know, things like that. So I think you can ratchet the tension up a little bit there. Um, I think everybody's wanted Marvel Ultimate Alliance for a while now. And this might be kind of that step towards it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think there's potential there to do something cool with that that idea, right? 
Yeah. Anything okay. else, Stoneheart or uh, Little Mac, that you guys want to talk about as far as E3 leaks go? Honestly, uh, nothing concrete yet. What I'm most excited about, and it, it's a vague leak, it's kind of you know the, the announcement of an announcement or the hint of an announcement coming. But I want to hear more about Elden Ring. Mm, yeah, yeah, Elden oh, Ring. Any more info about? Elden Ring. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, um, is it just like a rumor that will be doing more stuff on it in, at E3? Or? Yeah, that's where we're at right now. I, I mean, I, I, I hope so at this point, right? <laughs> like, what was it announced about two years ago now, right? It was announced at E3 2019. Oh, yeah. Oh. It, it would be nice and to hear something then. According to Wikipedia here, it began development in early 2017. Wow. George, George R. R. Martin is <laughs> so They're actually progressing very rapidly. Yeah, I mean, but still, a, a four-year uh, development cycle is not exactly, you know, I, I, we should probably be at hopefully seeing a little bit of gameplay, right? Um, I think even in 2019, it was literally just like, it was like just the logo type trailer i can't remember 100 percent, but I feel like there's been a shot of just like a, a dude on horseback in a field or something but mm-hmm. i could even just be imagining that yeah <laughs> i mean it sounds like something that would be in it so uh yeah it's it, it's weird um you know i i think that there's a lot of cool stuff that can come out of that series and you know you put together probably the most i would say that the most exciting action rpg series and studio running with the, the best fantasy writer that we've got going maybe i mean i guess that's up to date too but man i i gotta think people are interested in it because you know for me it's been hard to get into the souls game and honestly what's held me back a lot of times is i don't really i don't really dig the story or you know or the plot when it, you know kind of they go together but um i know there's a lot of environmental storytelling and stuff but a lot of times it just feels like okay you know i go kill these bad dudes because they're bad dudes and they're there to be killed um i I think that the whole series would be really interesting to see updated with something that resembles like a you know an rpg story like that that kind of you know beginning middle end reasons motivations characters stuff like that um so this is probably the most excited about a from software game i've ever been personally so it doesn't surprise me that people want to see more and hopefully we do at this point anything on your end stoneheart uh east I, uh, I I think that uh, I, I think um, that was one of the ma- uh, main things I, uh, I I was wondering if we'd hear about. Uh, that's the things I'm hoping to hear about. I I'm I figure we won't because it's probably still a few years out. But I'm always uh, always hoping that like E3, E3 that there's something about a new Elder uh, like this um, six Elder Scrolls game. Oh yeah, uh, Starfield um, or I think or, it's gonna I, be. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sure that's not like anytime soon now. It's going to be interesting to see what Microsoft does with Bethesda, right? I mean, everybody knows that Bethesda games long to have cycles. When they come out, they're not always 100% ready for prime time. But now that Microsoft's kind of got that money behind it and behind them, I'm going to be interested to see kind of what what it does in terms of their development time and how the game comes out at launch. I mean, I'm not expecting it to be flawless because, yeah, I mean – you know the the type uh, like the the type of the, the type of games they make it, it's inevitable inev- inevitable that you'll get some some kinks right I mean, there's always gonna be yeah, kinks yeah. Bugs. like the wide open world it, it, uh, there's always a chance for a bit more um bit more buggy but hopefully um hope 
hopefully with um, the Microsoft merger, it's uh, um, less so than uh, the roughness of Skyrim at the start. Yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, I, I think... I'm very forgiving of Bethesda games for the most part because to me they're so ambitious. Well, Bethesda as in Fallout and Skyrim, right? Or Fallout and Elder yeah. Scrolls. I'm forgiving because they're trying to do a lot of things. And for everybody who says, oh, they just need to make a new engine, they need to do this, they need to do that. Like when they say, no, we don't really because this engine does so many things behind the scenes perfectly that people just don't understand. When you're talking about graphics, that's one thing, right? But I mean, the creation engine is bonkers for the stuff that it does for ai for things like you know routines in the game and you know you can steal an item in the city and move it over here and put it in a house over here and you know that's very rare in a video game right like think about how many times you can pick up an item in a game move it to another place and put it there and the item stays there that's that's there aren't a lot of engines that do that right so um it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do technically uh but also i mean Oof, I, I'm, I'm interested. I'm ready for something more in Elder Scrolls. I know they they put a lot of their storytelling into the online or the MMO, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Fallout 76 has kind of had a, like a decent enough run uh, that I'm, I'm wondering if they're winding that one down as well because I don't I don't get a feel that that's got the kind of excitement it did at some point. Um, you know, with a negative launch, then kind of fixed itself, ended up in an okay place, but. It's hard to keep those games fresh and unique and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's like selling for like uh, 10 euros over here now for the PS4. So yeah, it's kind of run a course already. Mm -hmm. It's a shame really because I played it like a while back and it turned out to be pretty good. And yeah. It now. <laughs> Same thing. I, I mean, I, I I skipped it at launch. I heard all the bad stuff and then I jumped into it. I would probably say about two years ago, right about now. And yeah. um, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I mean, there was a lot of cool little things. That, I mean, they really went wild with the building your camp and building your crafting yeah. things and stuff like that. And it felt kind of cool and fresh. Um, I didn't really see any other players, which was a weird thing in an MMO, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you and know. It just felt like a, like a Fallout game. It kind mm -hmm. of felt like, yeah, Fallout 4 minus like solo story mission. But yeah. sucked in Fallout 4, so I didn't miss it at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's get to the meat of today's discussion. So today I wanted to talk about games that won you over, right? And, I, of course, I've been thinking about there's a lot of reasons why a game doesn't click with you or a person or anyone right off the bat, right? And sometimes even before the game comes out, you just get a feeling like, ah, this isn't going to be for me. I'm not really going to enjoy this. And then eventually that game just kind of pulls you in. And, it, and it, it's not always the easiest process. And sometimes you get a couple false starts, you know, where you just try the game out, nothing clicks, try the game out, nothing clicks, try the game out, nothing clicks. Um, and the game that kind of brought this to my mind uh, on my end was I got back into Elite Dangerous uh, yet again uh, for the five million time. But um I was thinking about when I first started that game, what was hard for me, and I, I, everybody's kind of got that feeling when you start an open world game, right? Like, it's like, oh, wow, this is going to be fun. I'm really going to lose myself in the world. And then there's that kind of, you know, after that two, three hour first part of the game, you know, the introduction, you're like, okay, now what do I do, right? Um, so the one I wanted, that, I wanted to bring that up because I find myself in a lot of open world games not having that direction right up front. It's either thrilling and exciting or it's like, okay, I don't really know what to go do. Um, but having stuck with Elite Dangerous for as long as I had to the point where I, I think I owned damn near every ship and 
have billions of dollars of, of galactic credits. Um, I just thought about, you know, what is it about certain games where you want to give it a second chance or you break through that initial annoying or or confusing or directionless part and, and brings you back into the game? So any let's start out with just kind of broadly. Um, what games do you guys find that, you know, initially maybe pushed you away, but then it pull, ended up pulling you in the more time you spent with it? All right, nobody wants to jump. <laughs> it's uh, every saga game that I've ever played. Nah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what immediately comes to mind? Yeah, I can concur on that. Yeah, I think I I'm right there with you, and it's been hard for me to even sometimes pick those back up, even though I hear um, you know great things about the series. I want to say I tried Frontier. Was that one of them? That's the PlayStation 1. Yeah, that was the very first one I played, and I could not figure that game out for the life of me. Um, and I don't know when – I mean, obviously, it's gotten a lot better since. But uh, that that was my introduction to the Saga series and kind of my my exit <laughs> of the Saga series. So, um, yeah, I, I can distinctly remember renting Saga Frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the PlayStation 1 era, as a young man, I had a bad habit. I would rent a JRPG on Friday. I remember renting it and firing it in there. And it's a, it's a long enough ago memory that I couldn't be 100% sure. But I believe that I picked Amelia's Story, which is the one that I actually just finished on Saga Frontier Remastered 20-some mm-hmm. years later. And not quite 20. I'm actually younger than that. But... I I think I took Amelia, and I must have gone down into the sewers because she starts in a in a city that has an extensive sewer. Got lost in the sewers, didn't know how to progress the game at all, and just decided ah you know non-linear like you know games with stories where it tells you what to do. That's where it's at, and and then I never went back to it for for a very long time. And then I had a phase where I really wanted to mop up, go back and through emulation, play all the Squaresoft Super NES games that never came mm, to the yeah. NES. And I bounced off uh, one of the Romancing Saga games there. And then many years later, they start releasing these remasters on Switch. And so there's three of them now that you can get on Switch. Saga, Romancing Saga 2, Romancing Saga 3, and Saga Frontier now. And I've gone through the same experience with all three of them, where I buy it, and start playing it, and I'm like, now get this can't seem to make anything happen in the game. I don't understand the combat. <laughs> None of this makes any sense to me. And I, But because they're so expensive, I, I, I push forward a little. And just the further and further I go, and you start to, oh, okay. Because the, the systems are opaque. Yes. Very strange. Yep. And not a single one of these games makes any effort to be balanced. Mm-hmm. So it's not, like, even though you could look at it and be like, I recognize this as a, like, cousin of the Final Fantasy series. Nothing like that. Yeah. And, and so, and then eventually, Romancing Saga 2 got its hooks in me, and I started understanding. I dumped a lot of hours into that. And then I went through the same thing with Romancing Saga 3, where I got it and I started playing, and I was like, oh, why did I, why did I like Romancing Saga 2? What's going on with this? And, and, but, well, I just paid like, what, 40 bucks for this. I guess I'll, I'll plug, and then eventually I was just like, all right, you know, I've started three new games at this point, but now I'm attached to this character. And I've found a way to cause a thing to happen 
a combination of people I can talk to where something occurs and I feel like I'm progressing. And then and then it got its hooks in me and I, and I played a ton of that. Then I got Saga Frontier remastered recently. And and once again, like I fired it up <laughs> and I was like, what, what what's what's the pitch here? And the battle system was slightly different from the Romantic Saga one. So by now I was I'm a Romancing Saga fan, so I was like, what? There's no, no formations. <laughs> it's yeah. the game too simple. It's, it's, you you it's want the, you want the weird rules now? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it's still very weird, mm-hmm. but but it didn't. Ha- uh, you don't get to choose these special formations that give different stats to people depending on where they are in the formation. And so I was like, ah, oh, this is disappointing. But I did spend all this freaking money to get. So and then and then eventually, finally, it, it clicked. And maybe by the time that they've remastered Saga Frontier 2, I will be at the point where I just remember this, everything that I just said, and I'll just get it, and maybe I won't bounce off it at first, and I'll just get into it. And I'll know going in that it's just, they like to they like to go back to the drawing board on a lot of the underlying gameplay systems every time. So maybe I'll, I'll have imbibed that. You know... And, and, because I had a similar experience to you with it where I, I rented it right way back on, on PS1. And I wonder if my experience would have been better had we had something like the Internet where it was like, hey, you can play any of these characters and you're going to get to the same location. Because I thought I was playing the game totally wrong. I started with the robot. Um, oh, I do. Okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better then. But yeah, and I was like, okay, none of this makes sense at all. What is this? Who is this guy? What, what are we talking about? What's this story? And I, I just thought like, oh, I should go back and pick somebody else. And I, I can't remember who I picked after that. But then I was like, no, nah, actually, I want to play as the robot. And then I, I ended up just like, you know, getting nowhere in the game, just bringing it back to Blockbuster. Um, so I, I wish now, though, that I would have maybe like part of it is I've gotten more like I understand like how plots and stories don't have to be necessarily all linked and connected and stuff like that. But I, I, I totally agree with you because I had the exact same experience down to renting it and being like, what the hell is this? Um, that maybe I, sh- I should try it again and see if it, it connects with me. Yeah. You go. My experience with uh, the, the one experience that like, really sticks in my mind is with uh, Romance and Saga 3 where I, 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 Never beat two, but like I got a feel for how I progressed the story, and then I just got stuck on like a boss fight. Mm-hmm. But with three, I, I remember because lately when I've been starting new games, I try to not spoil myself. I try to not rely on guides and such. And so when I started playing the remaster of three, I, I can't remember who I picked up the main character, but when it, when like the uh, when you got out of the intro and the world opened up a bit. I had no idea where to go or how to trigger any quests and such. Mm-hmm. And then I think around the same time, like like a week after the remaster, that remaster came out, I got distracted by Pokemon and <laughs> said, oh, that that was the end of that. But uh, then it was just a conscious decision I made in, in uh, earlier this year that I was I was gonna be I was gonna go back to three Romance and Saga three and beat it and I would follow a strict guide on the internet on like how to trigger things when, uh, when and where and such and uh, that that seemed to be the that seemed to think be the thing that like once I once I knew how to actively uh, trigger plot events and keep moving forward in the game and have an idea of like um, what order I should do things in so I don't accidentally like 
walk in to try and fight one of the major bosses who could wipe the floor of you if you're not <laughs> high enough level. Oh, the game doesn't have levels, but your, your stats aren't high enough. Yeah. Uh, and that that got it to click with me, and I got to the final boss, and then I couldn't beat the final boss. So that that caused things to click out. Um, yeah, you know where I got stuck in Romancing Saga three because I did not beat the game either. But it was when you go into the end game, and the very first thing that happens is you get attacked by just like a random generic dragon. Oh, that that drag! I I, I know what dragon you're talking about. I. I, I think at one point um, I kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, and I just got lucky. <laughs> yeah, and that's what, with these games, with the Saga games, you can get so lucky because of the the spark system for abilities, where your characters learn new abilities basically at random. Uh, I uh, I beat one of the one of the toughest side bosses in Saga Frontier in a fight where just Fortunately, by coincidence, my one of my swordsmen just learned an incredibly powerful technique in the middle of the fight, and I and he had just enough WP. I don't even know what the W stands for, but the you know basically ability points. He had enough, just enough of them left to do it exactly the number of times I needed to do uh, to then kill the boss with one normal attack when all of my characters were out of abilities. You know, you, you mentioned one thing that, that is almost impossible for me. I want to see how it works for you all. But um, it is so hard for me to drop an RPG and then come back to it. Like, almost impossible. Like, if I drop an RPG for, like, six months, I can't just go back to where I was with it. Um, I almost got to restart. And then I kind of get that feeling like, oh, man, here we go again. I probably played the intro to certain RPGs 50 times, you know, um, trying to kind of, like, get back into it or figure it out or get into it. And it... I just I can't. It's hard for me to leave off at like you know ten hours into an RPG, take a break for six months, and then get back into it. There's so much of, wait, what the hell was I doing? Why was my character? Who is this? You know, there's so much of that in my mind that I don't know. Maybe when you get older, it kind of just all blurs. But like, it's very hard for me to to just jump back into an RPG. Is that something that you guys experience too? Or yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Sure. It's the main reason why I don't play like lots of RPGs because I'm like. <laughs> Very pick up and play because sometimes I will like finish uh, four games in like two weeks and then I will not play like anything besides Animal Crossing and maybe some small game on the Switch for like the next two months. Yeah, I had a problem with the most recent uh, Fire Emblem game which I started and then laid away and then started again for like at least five times. <laughs> okay, that and sounds that like me then. <laughs> really, pretty uh, not too long, but still, it's like 30 hours. It's kind of wrecked me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, 90% of RPGs, if I if I leave off for a couple months, um, it, I I really can't get back into it. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, sometimes I can force myself back into it if I just remind myself that. I like I want to beat the game, and I also never want to play through like the intro part again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so like uh, one of the other games I'm uh, currently playing, not as much as Neo Automata, but uh, um, is uh, Final Fantasy VII port on the Switch. Um, and there was a couple months ago, uh, I I got a few hours in, right up until right up until you like you leave Midgar and you finally get to the world map, and then I put it down. 
and and I had to look up exactly, okay, where on the world map do I go next? Mm-hmm. But I just had to tell myself, I really do not feel like going through the opening bombing mission and all that stuff again. Um, you know what game has is the number one example for me in that in my mind with that is uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I, oh, I, God, yeah. Oh, that beginning is just excruciating when you have to like walk through the snow and get there and go hunting i mean the tutorials just never seem to end uh for that whole first act and i that's a game that i've bounced off of fell in love with bounced off of like so many times um and i go to pick it up i'm like wait what the hell am i doing here and then i get that feeling okay well i should start over because i'm i'm always around that act three area you know um because that's what i hate the game again (laughs) so to me, that, that might be an example of a game where, like, it won me over and then lost me all over again, right? Like, worst opening, great, 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 I don't know, first act, right? When you're kind of getting to the town and developing your stuff and driving around it. Oh, man, the world feels so open and alive. And then that game pulls that little pull the rug out from you and it, it loses me all over again, right? So if we ever talk about games that won you over, then lost you, then won you over, then lost you. <laughs> um it might be Red Dead Redemption, but just an awful first, what, maybe four hours to that game? Uh, no, no, it's more like six. <laughs> like the tutorials and yeah. stuff. Then you go to the farm. Oh, yeah. And I think the worst part about Red Dead Redemption was because I had the same problem as Kappa. I had just like a feeling I should be like soldiering on and just finish it because otherwise I will never. And then you finish it, like the main story, and you get like the epilogue, which is like another six, seven hours. <laughs> I, the epilogue is really good. It's like really good if it was like a separate loose mission, but it's like you forced to play it afterwards and mm-hmm. kind of destroyed my uh, opinion of the game, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's just such a good, strong second act where like you feel like, wow, this, this might be my favorite game ever i can roam around i can do whatever i want Mm -hmm. but basically if you if you push the game forward to a certain point the game gets worse that's wild to me right like i mean that's very repetitive i think the worst part is like uh the part you're finding all the gangs and it's like five times the missus in a row go to uh, a villa or a southern Mm -hmm. house uh shoot everybody that and every gang has 5,000 like people in it. One guy and the computer guy, the NPC, is like escaping <laughs> or trying to get lots locked in like um, like one of the barns. Mm-hmm. So you can't clear it, but you don't know why. Ah, you it's keep like searching around and looking for the guy, and you're lost like another 30 minutes again. And that like happened to me like three times in a row. Yeah. yeah. And not to just keep beating up the game, but they put so much emphasis on combat in the game. The combat's maybe the worst part of the whole game, right? Oh, the yeah, shooting is awful. I it, mean, I played it. I played it back to back with uh, GTA, the latest GTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, yeah, I should replay that. And that story is surprisingly good. Sure. I really like that story. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the combat in that is great. I know they need to adapt it to like more Western times with Red Dead, but like the first Red Dead plays way better also with controls and shooting. Do mm-hmm. just like kind of like, uh, yeah, it sucks. But, um, <laughs> it doesn't really focus on enemies a lot. It has a hard time picking the target and stuff. It's, oh, and then it's, it's you bad. know, 
every mission is for some reason it's not like you fight a gang of 10 or you know 15 guys which would be you know at least feeling somewhat realistic it's just they keep coming it's it, you're fighting yeah. armies not gangs like if there was that many outlaws you'd have to send in the marines at this point i mean it's not like you know it, it was it was just it was overbearing um and yeah. I, 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 like you said it's like in the second half it's like you go and take a farm from it's like 15 people you got like yeah you got like those uh, southern houses and they're like 60 guys in there. <laughs> like a bunch, bunch of your mbc gang are like shooting at nothing so you need to clear them all and, and the, the mechanic is just the shooting is just so bad you're always waiting for your dead eye right or you're always drinking yeah. sitting there mid-fight just chugging little <laughs> little bottles of shit so you can shoot straight you know it's nah, i don't know but um game i wanted to bring up i'm not sure how much other people remember this um but as far as a game that looked crappy and like preview footage trailers stuff like that uh diablo 3 when that was kind of first announced and i'm not talking the color controversy i don't know if you remember that um but a lot of the early diablo 3 uh trailers look like they really missed the mark on what made diablo 2 fun and the diablo 2 diablo 3 launch was awful in a lot of ways uh, I don't know if you remember the real money auction house that they. Yeah, I didn't even play the game at that time, and I, I played the game after it was patched out. Mm-hmm. I was, it, it, it impressed itself on my mind when I heard about it. <laughs> so there was the cinematic trailer, which it's Blizzard. They knocked that out of the park, and then I think the first gameplay trailer they released looked like they had made some very big mistakes. Uh, it used a lot of sounds from Warcraft um, and a lot of, even like down to like the ability icons and stuff. And they kind of showed off the barbarian first who has a lot of boring abilities, right? Like he jumps, you know, and, and things like that. And they kept the enemy density kind of low. And they also didn't really like juice up the drop rate. So you were watching this guy kind of fight packs of monsters and get like a white drop. And, you know, he was just kind of jumping spot to spot to spot, fighting little. And that's not what Diablo was about at all, right? Like, if you played a lot of Diablo 2, it was, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to fight a horde of monsters. Shit's going to be flying everywhere. Loot's going to be raining from the sky, right? It's a very, like, I don't know. I want to say, like, Pavlovian experience, right? Where, you know, you just walk through here and you hear these ching, 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 chings. And you're just looking on the ground and, you know, there's loot everywhere and everything's dead. And there's all these cool abilities you're using. And. Um, I felt like they were trying to make it like a slower, different game almost. Um, and at launch, it was had a lot of mistakes, but you know, slowly you started to get back into. It, you're like, okay, yeah, they got this for the most part right. It it won me over by the end of the you know by the, my end of the Diablo three experience I had. I, I loved the game, uh, not as much maybe as two, um, but that was something that those kind of first initial launch missteps for me. One, the trailer, and then two, that real money auction house was. A fucking awful idea. I still have like 14 cents on my Blizzard account because I think I sold <laughs> like, <laughs> like a gem in Diablo for like 11 cents or something. Or I, I don't know what it is, but like I can't get rid of it. It's still sitting there in my Battle.net. Every time I log into my Battle.net, it's just on the top right. My account balances something from something I sold on that stupid fucking real money auction house. But uh, that was a game that just for, for launch reasons and for trailer reasons, I thought, whoa, we've got our first fucking Blizzard flop and... That would definitely come later with a little thing called Warcraft Reforged. But uh, <laughs> um, I ended up liking Diablo 3 fine. Um, and 
there was the other part of the internet with Diablo 3 that was angry about the color controversy. They'd made it too bright, too cheery. Diablo is supposed to be dark and gloomy and edgy. And, you know, I didn't really go too much with that line of thinking. Art style is an art style, right? But, um, man, the between those other things, that boring trailer and the uh, just the bad taste in my mouth from, hey, you want to make a cool set in Diablo? Well, fork out 14 bucks to some guy, you know, some gold farmer in China, or, you know, I think that's where most of the gold farms are. And, and then you end up getting all that cool stuff, right? That, that was not how I wanted to play Diablo at all. Um, so that one, I think even pre playing the game kind of put me in that mood. Uh, but then it, it, the game itself eventually patched to damn near, you know, Diablo two levels won me over. Yeah, I got like something completely else for like games that look crappy in preview. Yeah, I was like thinking about it, and I was uh, the first thing that came to mind was the original trailer for No More Heroes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, like these really weird, stylish things that make like Travis look like a really cool guy. And the fun part about the game and Sperry Suda is that he's like an unbelievable set sack. He lives mm-hmm. like in a motel. He has like no money and he buys like um yeah laser saber online and that gets him like into the situations but he still remains like a giant creep and the trailer is like very stylish and makes it look like it's like a cool ninja game yeah. which it really isn't it's, like, yeah the most weirdest like set sack action game ever it's it, it's a game i really like still but like i rewatched the trailer and i was like well, they really fucked this up. Yeah, I got the uh, the the feeling that Travis Touchdown was going to be like a super badass. I, I don't even know. Like, I thought he was going to be like most anime. I don't watch a lot of anime, but you guys get what I mean, right? Like, you know, kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm the chosen one, and yeah, I got all these abilities. He's like, and... like based on uh, Johnny Knoxville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, Shura was like a big uh, Jackass fan, and he like. My main inspiration for personality and for Luke was like Johnny Knoxville. He didn't base it like at all at anime, and and he also kind of based it on like some of the 1980s action movie anti-heroes, mm-hmm. but not like the big uh, bulky ones, but like the movies where it's like James Caan fights a gang of cops and stuff like that. It's like it's such a weird character. Yeah, to I. Me. I I ended up loving uh, No More Heroes. It's probably still to this day the only Suda game I really liked start to finish. Um, that and, was such a great game. But I think it might be one that might I might have actually liked better if I had known nothing about it going into it, not even seen like the cover uh, of yeah. the game. Do you know what I mean? Like just looking at that cover, I was like, oh, here we go. You know. But then, yeah, you're right. I think it's a good one to like win you over. Just looking at at the game itself, uh, Lollipop Chainsaw I did like for the most part. And I, oh, I got I really what it was. Liked that game. Yeah. yeah, we talked about it before in the Xbox cut as I was on. Yeah, I think that game is like deeply underrated. It's it's not great, mm-hmm. but it's like a lot of fun. It's like trashy on design. It's clearly very rushed. And yes, you can clearly that's... see their budget got like shorted pretty much because the second part of the game gets like really iffy with some sort of controls and environment. But the writing on it, it's like really funny still. Yeah. You like that kind of trauma, uh, James Gunn kind of humor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's 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 a game that holds up pretty damn well. The same goes for No More Heroes. I should really get like Switch ports. I heard they're pretty good. 
it's weird to me that Suda's games haven't been getting remasters and ports and stuff like that. I mean, you would think that there was enough of a fan base, especially at the time, but I haven't heard yeah. much about his getting any of that stuff, at least that I've heard of. So Yeah, you uh, got like the normal heroes, heroes remasters for the Switch. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, the 1, 2, 1, and 2, and 3 also. Hmm, okay. They came out pretty recently, I think, or they're like still coming out. Hmm, okay. Three is not out yet, but there was like a spin-off. It was made for the Switch? Yeah, that's right. It's like a weird uh, arcade game. I don't know precisely what it was. Nah, they can, they yeah, can keep... I, I remember reading that like the levels are all homages to different video game genres or something like that. I'm mm. not sure how much the gameplay goes along with that. Probably to some degree. Yeah, I, I had no idea that... Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I guess that... Uh, you know, when it comes to Suda games, yeah, it's kind of a don't judge the book by its cover, but he's doing it purposely in a way, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially, I would say, No More Heroes and Lollipop Chainsaw, he's really saying, look, you know what this is going to be about. Look at the cover. Look at the, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and then you play, and you're like, oh, okay, got me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Killer Killer is Dead is like its most straight game. Mm-hmm. And it's still like off the ball wonkers, but it's like in atmosphere, it's very much like a cool stylish um uh, New Japan uh, Samurai movie. Yeah, I, Kill, Killer Seven really was the, the hardest yeah, one for me to get into. Also. That I I couldn't get into that one, but the rest of them, I mean, yeah, I, I he he's got such a cool style, and I think that's what yeah. everybody appreciates so much about him. I, like, it's one of those people like I might not like his games, but I'm glad he's out there making them. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I don't sure. remember having any fun with Killer Seven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Killer Seven is pretty dreadful to play, but it's mostly lies on the GameCube controls for it, which are really bad. Yeah, but it's just like implanted, like images from it. I can just remember, and and like it's very impactful without Mm -hmm. being particularly fun. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where if you showed me a screenshot of Killer Seven right now, I go, oh yeah, it's Killer Seven. You know, like it's got (laughs) that kind of mental, you know space for me so I, that's that's a good thing though you know to to be like oh okay yeah that's i, I recognize that game I've, I've played it that you i think you want that a lot of times as if you're making cool games right so stoneheart what you got any any that you're thinking of uh for, for games that grew on me mm-hmm. uh so one um uh i, I hope i'm not getting myself uh, oh, sorry hope i'm not getting ahead of myself here but uh one game that like took multiple tries for me to get into, but then once I got into it, it like, became one of my uh, favorite game series. Is uh, is the Baldur's Gate series? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 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 And I, I I think the the main thing that uh, that made it difficult to get into was I start I started with Baldur's Gate one, which the whole role, uh, most of the gameplay and role set is a, a sort of. Uh, Real time with pause, take on uh, second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and you start mm-hmm. at level one. And it level one Dungeons uh, Dungeons and Dragons is really tough to play, like tough to play in like uh, in an RPG based like ninety eight. It's it's not good to start with there, but I and I think the thing that um, the the thing that finally made me uh, re- realize I've sort of gone about it wrong is I kept on trying to, uh, the first couple of times I played, I always played as a mage because oh, yeah. that's sort of the, the class I, I gravitate towards. 
good luck well, in Baldur's Gate. Level <laughs> one is very pathetic. You you get two you get two spells you can cast before you have to rest for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You have like four HP when most things <laughs> can do eight <laughs> HP of damage in one attack. So like you you put everything kills you in one hit basically, and I, I realized eventually how to play it how to control my mage party members and such, but the thing that sort of made it click was I I decided to play as a cleric instead, mm-hmm. and I, f- I figured out what kind, of, uh, what kind of spells I should focus on, and I shouldn't ignore buff spells, and, and just in general, the specifics of it, and I kept at it until I leveled up enough that, that it was not everyone died in two hits, and not all, and the other problem is uh, in the very beginning, it's very tough. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, it's very tough to hit things. So it, it it kind of it kind of feels like at first watching like a couple of blind people fight uh, a blindfolded people fight with knives. Both <laughs> 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 feet is just swinging that air, but if there's ever a hit, it's gonna end up bad. Yeah. Um. um I, I uh, just real quick. This actually, I think my very first playthrough of Baldur's Gate, or maybe it was Icewind Dale. I died in the inn killing the rats uh, the <laughs> yeah. i just sat there i'm like hit the fucking rat <laughs> yeah it reminds me of fallout one i did the same thing with like the start when you need to clear out the tunnel for rats <laughs> and i died like five times because i was like yeah this should be easy yeah no i got like not to that <laughs> Yeah, and the thing that uh, it, the thing that it brought to mind for me was actually Fallout Two, mm-hmm. where it opens with like you must do this, you know, ancient test for you the oh yeah, yeah. trial, and then, and then you're getting killed over and over again by these basic scorpion enemies because you just you can't reliably hit them unless you've juiced your melee weapon. Yeah, character creation. So it's like I, I'm not convinced that I'm the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and I, I know I made it through the trial, but I, there was a lot of saves coming involved there. One thing about Baldur's Gate too, I think Stoneheart, you probably recognize this too, especially at the beginning too, is you can't, you don't really understand the itemization either. Like the game doesn't really tell you like what weapons do this, what weapons do that. It's got that old style. I, I'm not super into to D and D. You guys might know this better, but that Thack Zero system. Oh, that whole thing. Um, I. I... I realized eventually, like, okay, you want, like, with armor class, you want lower numbers because the, I, it's, like, negative number. Uh, if you can get your armor class negative, that's good. And it, it's still, like, I'm, I'm glad they ditched that in, uh, eventually. But yeah, it was always so it, confusing. It's unintuitive. Because I, w- I would always give, like, my, my starting, like, tank, I would give him, like, a sword and shield. And I'm like, this guy can't hit shit, and he's still getting destroyed. Like, what is going on here? And you're right, uh, Baldur's Gate wasn't intuitive at all. It was almost a, a game you had to learn by just, I mean, literally sometimes not even making out of some of the intro areas, right? The game just beat the crap out of you, um, and you either stuck with it or didn't. And then when you did, you it was probably the best narrative of an early RPG I ever played. I mean, that story felt amazing, but I had to really just, I mean, I, I think at the first time I beat it, I honestly had a party that was just basically like, three warriors and three clerics and i was just like whatever we're getting through this everybody put on the shield you know <laughs> yeah, yeah my, uh, i think i i think i had them 
I think I had a mage who I um for, for, I remember ne like near the end game I had a mage who like all her level three spells were fireball and I just kept her very far away from things. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember uh when I um when I finally like beat the final boss, my strategy was, ev like if if my cleric had as many animate dead spells that <laughs> uh that he could uh that he could memorize, and so instead of having anyone get near the final boss, I would just swarm him with skeletons mm -hmm. and, and and i think i think even we mentioned fallout we mentioned this game too um the game suggested parties or characters to you right and i was always one fuck that i'm making my own right um and you could very easily just have a total shit character in fallout one or a total shit party at Baldur's gate and not even know it right and you get to the end of the game you're like wait a minute this i can't oh, even yeah. I, I can't even beat these these you know things i'm supposed to be able to beat there's i can't go back i can't do anything i'm stuck here and you'd have to restart the game um that was that was wild right you don't see that too much anymore um oh yeah yeah the last thing i saw it on was like of course wastelands which is even worse okay? yeah yeah <laughs> uh, wastelands like has like a pretty uh the first one yeah you played it also the first one has like a pretty long introduction right Kappa? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, and I made like a really shit character that <laughs> like stuck after like the nearly one of an hour, one and a half hour of exposition. So I need to start again with another character which also sucked. So I need to start again. And then it was okay, but I was still like three hours in. At least in Wasteland though, you can see like different enemy archetypes, and you're like, oh wow, that's really effective. It makes sense yeah. to have a shotgun rusher. But when you're playing Baldur's Gate, it's a little bit different because it's like. Why the hell did this wolf kill me? <laughs> I ran into a bear and it was a total party wipe. Like, holy shit, where do I even start with it, you know? Um, but I, I think a lot of the latest CRPG uh, re-releases, like your pillars and stuff like that, um, they've kind of fixed that problem a little bit, right? They've made everybody kind of, I would say, start at probably the equivalent of like level four or level five. If like it, the Baldur's Gate equivalent, like you've got some spells, you got some abilities, and if you pick the right weapon, you can actually hit shit with it. Um, that th yeah, those combat you don't mm -hmm. die in two hits. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't that, start out with four hit points. The most important part to me. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I'm thinking about my Icewind Dale party. I, I bet you, you start out with like a four hit point wizard for sure, or like a, what is a sorcerer? I think in that mm -hmm. one. Um, but yeah, that that's a good example though of, of a game that you know everybody's probably told you a million times, hey, this is a, an all-time great, and then you fire that up, and you're like, nope, not for me. Uh, and if you stick with it, though, and if it wins you over, shit, it is an all-time great, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a real tradition of those classic RPG, uh, computer RPGs to just, mm -hmm. to just punish you again and again and again at the very start. Like, it's not, it's not a game that, like, teaches you as you go through. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. game a lot of the teaching happens in the like 70 times that you play through the first couple hours try and finally get that balance yeah yeah and, and like it, it does it teaches you in a way, in a language of failure right? it's like nope this ain't yeah. gonna work see you later um it's not like oh well you know hey, adjust this try this no no it's just back to the start figure it out again buddy um and again the, a lot of Baldur's gate stuff was in those early internet days so you really had to kind of figure out hey what what is a party that works or or, or things like that and uh you know I, I remember one of my first internet things with with uh might have been Baldur's gate too was trying to figure out the ai how, how to program the ai in that game to not be just so 
fucking brain dead. Uh, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> I remember I just like, hey, my warrior is dying here, clerics. You want to do anything? And they're just sitting over there, you know, swinging staffs at a tree or something. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, very early on, I, I had to really mess with that AI stuff to make it, the party even kind of useful. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you stuck with Baldur's Gate or any, or Fallout definitely, or any of those early games, if you got past that punishment time, I mean, that's kind of an old game development idea though, right? You got to, you got to beat the shit out of the player into submission until they play the game the way you want to. You don't see that much anymore in, in good games, right? Mm. Yeah. With, with Fallout, I remember, well, Fallout 2 is the one that I've played the most. And yeah, at the, early on, you know, you got to save before every fight and you're going to have to try it like 20 times to mm -hmm. beat these rats or these rad scorpions or whatever they are. And then eventually you're walking along and, you know, like a gang accosts you and you, you just pop open your like targeted aiming and you're just shooting them all in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heads exploding it, left it, and right. Yeah. It, it, it takes a while to get there. And then when you get there, you, you do feel very powerful. Yeah, but it's like a dying thing because like those games were released in a time where like a lot less stuff was coming out and it just felt like people could sink like a lot more time into games without yeah. getting distracted. Because if a lot of those games would be released like now, like Fallout, like a lot of people would go, yeah, I don't have like the time or or even the motivation to sit through <laughs> the same thing like 15 times. Yeah. <laughs> that's like stuff like Wasteland uh, still gets released, but it's all like crowdfunded for like <laughs> this really niche group. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think there's there's a point to like an RPG where if you persist and you enjoy the game, you you do appreciate what it did at that beginning. I think a lot about um, even like a more modern one like Dragon Age. Um, yeah. Depending on your your origin, right? That game felt really disconnected and weird and had huge difficulty leaps depending on what you played and how you played it. And I remember that game – I remember – I bet you I quit Dragon Age five times before I made it to Lothring and finally realized like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, I'm I'm the chosen one, but I got a lot of shit to do to get there. Um, and you had really basic attacks and really boring abilities. And um, I, think I, I think my first character was a dwarf noble, right? And I was like – what the hell does any of this have to do with anything? Because the story didn't really connect a lot of it at the beginning. Um, so, like, that one kind of narratively pushed me away. But the mechanics were still pretty solid. And I don't think I built, like, an awful character. But I, I remember thinking, like, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be a dwarf noble. Maybe I'm supposed to play as a human because it makes more sense that I'm going here and helping all these humans and stuff. And all these people are assholes to me because I'm a dwarf and, and all this other stuff, right? Uh, but then, you know, that game definitely comes back around. It's like, no, play as what you want, and that's, this is your character. And I kind of had to almost trust I, – I had to trust the game to get there, right? Like, to, to connect those dots and make it feel okay that I picked – Something that really, at least at the beginning of the story, narratively didn't seem to fit at all while I'm there fighting, you know, for these humans that seem to kind of hate me. And I bet you would have been even worse if I picked the Dale Shelf, right? Um, so uh, I always think about that, like those first couple of hours where like maybe not the gameplay or the technical stuff, but the story kind of pushes you out of a game, right? Um, I think there's a couple examples of that, but like um, Dragon Age to me is one that, that really kind of did that to me. And then by the end, I ended up loving it, but it, it took me a lot of false starts to really get there. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. This is actually stepping backwards again, but with the with the early RPG difficulty in a in the Divinity Original Sin games, mm, yeah. you get a you get a very similar getting your ass kicked constantly at the start of the game uh setup, but it's different because it has nothing to do with your character creation and everything to do with the fact that the game has really complex overlapping uh, elemental interactions. Right, yeah, I and remember that. So all of the early fights that are available to, to you once you get out of the tutorial area, are all too, they're all so tough that they'll just kill you. It doesn't matter where you go. And for a while, I remember playing the first one uh, with, with my ex, and we were just we were bouncing off it because we, we looked everywhere, and I was like, we can't win a single one of these fights because everything is higher level yeah. than us. You're talking about the divine divinity, right? Yes. Yeah. And but what the game wants you to to eventually realize in Original Sin is that is that it's all about exploiting those interactions, mm -hmm. figuring out how many different things could I stack together such that I'm going to have like how can I stop them from getting attacks on me while also doing tons of extra damage, and yeah. And, and, so, and that's, also like, um, that's also like an interesting game. It kind of ties in back with my argument also, like because that's also like a game that got most of its funds from a Kickstarter, mm -hmm. because it's also like um, yeah, a pretty niche game because it like endlessly punishes you to like uh, try to see the way the game wants you to see, and you still want to discover how you need to figure things out. Uh, and Larian has kind of developed into like one of the best RPG studios period right now. And, yeah. you know, that, that uh, divine divinity, if I remember right, you could, it basically doesn't even tell you how to make a class. It just gives you like a giant skill tree. Right. It just says, you know, good luck kind of pick, pick a pick along the way. Right. I remember you could pretty much learn every skill in that game right off mm -hmm. the bat. Right. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the most the thing I know mostly about Larian, they're like uh, one. I think the only like really big Belgium studio, mm -hmm. and they like got most of their funding because they did like the web design for the Flemish national uh, TV channel, their children's site. They did like the web design for it. Hmm. That's like where they got like a lot of their funding from first. <laughs> And now they're making Baldur's Gate to so, so bring yeah. it all the way back around, you know? Like, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> Good for them, man. Yeah, I, I like when, you know, and they're always, they've always been at PAX since the early days. And they were always the nicest, like, team at, at, the, at PAX. They're always very kind of, like, welcoming. They let you sit there. I remember one of the things that they had was they didn't have time demos. They kind of let you sit there and play. Um, you know, for a good amount of time, they weren't kicking you out unless you know there was a big line. But they were always so cool there, and I always appreciated that about them. Um, so one last one I wanted to mention was sometimes, at least for me, there's games like, especially multiplayer games, where you just figure I I'm never going to be any good at this. I'm never going to figure out how this game works, and I'm tired of getting killed by a million different people, you know, from a million different ways. And that game for me is a game maybe you've heard of. It's a little game called Fortnite. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when I started Fortnite, I was just – I was honest honest to God, I played a lot of shooters for a lot of years. and I was just overwhelmed. It was too much for me, right? The building, the shooting, the looting, the gathering, the, the shields, the – you know, I mean – it was just like 
like I felt like I was always juggling something. Even when I would be in my inventory, like, you know, cleaning it up or getting weapons moved or finding out how much ammo I had, it was always felt like I was like doing something wrong. I was always vulnerable. If I build, I gave my position away. If I didn't build, I got shot from, you know, somebody who did. So I, I always felt like I was making the wrong decisions, right? Um, and I think what changed, well, one, I started playing it more with my kid and I was like, okay, well, if he's having fun, I'm having fun. But the other thing about Fortnite, I kind of learned is like, it's a game where it's okay if you die 53rd or 16th or 19th, but the game's teaching you a lot in little different ways and how you approach a fight is there's not really a wrong or right answer. It's very much like a game of paper, rock, scissors sometimes. I mean, yeah, there's going to be people who are crazy good and people who aren't, but whether you build or didn't. Maybe it didn't even matter. You know, you just ended up losing because that's how that fight went. And somebody had a different gun that you didn't have or they saw you first or one of a million different variables. And once I kind of started to learn to just a little bit stop caring, um, that really increased my my joy of Fortnite. I can't imagine playing it like competitively or streaming it or playing it for money because it's probably so different. Right. Um, But just playing it as like, a you know, if I die, okay, on to the next one type game. I really started to enjoy it. Um, so I think that was more on me than the game. Uh, but lately, I've actually been kind of enjoying Fortnite, weirdly. So uh, I pop it in every now and then, and I, and I do like it. So Yeah, speaking about building stuff, I also had, like, one. I was, like, watching uh, this YouTube channel, um, Stop Skeletons for Fighting, which I really like. <laughs> they did, like, coverage about the Engage. Mm-hmm. Remember the Engage? Oh, yeah, I did. The phone, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and it- they brought like up, yeah, John Romero did like, uh, Monkey Stone did like uh, the Engage adaptation for Red Fraction. And I was like, fuck yeah, Red Fraction is a game I hated when I started it. <laughs> and then turned out we have like a lot of fun. But Red Fraction starts in like a horrible level where you're like in the mines and trying to find a way out. You get shouted at from every direction and there's not really a clear path to go. Mm-hmm. You keep getting shot at, um, but like if you clear that, and then there are, there's a lot of levels where you're still trying to learn. Like it's mechanics which are like really jerky because it's a 2002 <laughs> nearly launch game, I think, which was originally I think even designed for the PS1. Uh, but when you clear that, it's so much fun because you can like blow out doors and blow up like tanks. And bridges if they cross it it's such a weird game still to play it has mm. like a it's it's part of the ps2 classics for the ps4 store still and it's such a weird selection for that because it's like a game that's horribly dated uh even in the start it's gone awful but if you go through it it's just so much fun to just destroy shit and that's <laughs> like tanks uh, sink and stuff yeah, it's it's weird how that sometimes it's just up to you to like change your mindset, right? To to accept or bring in a game and just okay, well I'm gonna play this game how I want to play it on my own terms, and sometimes that's all you need, right? Yeah, sure. You know, I was originally it's not a game that won me over because it pretty much when I played it finally it won me over almost instantly, but Dark Souls was something it took me a long time to get into because I was so put off. By the way, people were talking about what it was like. <laughs> yeah. the, the culture that surrounded it did not make it sound appealing to me. Yeah, I, I'm a like, lot of the, you know, you gotta, you know, yeah, I'm just like a lot, not a lot at of all into 
Well, yeah, I'm not like not at all into dark games, uh, Dark Souls. Like I played like first one and Bloodborne and both I like suck at and I just don't have the patience to like replay stuff like 20 times in a row to be honest. <laughs> well, if you don't have the if you don't have the appetite for that, it, yeah, you, you're never going to get into the games. And that's yeah. Cool. For me, it was that I would read people talking about it and some of it is that the whole the get good thing. And then some of it is people being like, well, you have to put this much into this stat and this into this, and this stat mm-hmm. is a junk stat. And, you should never... and it all sounded very, very intimidating and, and like and constrained, like like people talked about it like there was a right way to play. it. And then when I finally got into it and started to, to get the first, I, I fell in love just with the, the gameplay and the, and the, the setting and. I, I didn't even gather that there was a story to go back to to what the couple was saying. <laughs> uh, then later, when I found out that there was a story, I was like, "Oh, this is really cool too." <laughs> but when I finally understood the stats, when I went back and to play it a second time, I started to realize that it's not just that there's no right way to play it, or you don't have to play it the one way that some nerd on Reddit or whatever told you you have to, but it's that the stats aligns so well with the actual mechanical experience of playing the game that you can really pick a fantasy archetype that you like and build a character to be like that. And it might not be an optimized character, but you can do it and you can, and you can play the game. You can be, you know, I'm a, I'm a samurai. I don't wear armor and I just have a sword. I'm a wandering samurai or, or I'm a, I my favorite one of my favorite characters to make in this game is a, a, a spell fencer. So like I have a spell casting implement in one hand and a rapier in the other hand, which I don't think you'd ever find a guide <laughs> to Dark Souls that would say you should use a rapier. Uh, I don't gather that they're very well regarded weapons, but if you want to play with one, it's gonna feel like you're fencing, and, and it it all uh, it comes together very well. But you kind of have to tune out a lot of the voices telling you what the game is supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point with Dark Souls. One, I mean, I don't want to get too controversial, but I do think the difficulty is a little overstated when it comes to that game, right? Like, I mean, like, I've definitely heard, like, oh, you're going to just, you're going to, I mean, like, I would probably get through, you know, the. I think I played, I think I got through two and, like, you know, a couple, like, maybe, like, what? I don't know how long, but I didn't feel like I never got to that point where like, oh my god, it's just so hard. I'm never going to beat this. Like, there's definitely some bosses where I'm like, this is bullshit. This is cheap. And then you're right, I had to adjust certain things, and I, I was back at it. But um, one of the things that really killed me off on the series was was like you're saying, was you go online and be like, this is really the only build that's going to you know beat this game. It's a max soul, no corpse, what you know what I mean? Like just w- real yeah. weird things. You got to get this specific sword pledged to this specific company and it felt less like i was playing an rpg and it was almost like forcing me into like a linear game in a way right um and i'm glad that i got away from that because the sooner i did the more i was like okay yeah i can just play this game it's not that hard i can hit things with a sword and dodge when i need to um but yeah it's i i don't know i don't know where the series goes from there because i do think a lot of the ideas behind it and the, a lot of stuff that it does as a game is based on we want it to be hard. We want it to seem impossible. We want people to develop specific builds that make it easy to get through. And I don't think that's necessarily what everybody wants from that series, though. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Elden Ring mm-hmm. allows in terms of who you're going to be and, and what it's going to play like and how much of the 
how much of the DNA of Dark Souls. Yeah, because I don't think you get George R. R. Martin to write a story for a game that you know is going to sell like hotcakes because it's an RPG. And I don't think you make that game and don't want people to beat it, if that makes sense. Right? Like, you want it to be at least somewhat more approachable than, I guess, your average Souls game because, you know. And then that's going to lead to your core fans saying, oh, they dumbed it down. I don't like it. They dumbed it down, right? And you always get that weird little, who's it for, right? Too hard for the casuals, too easy for the hardcore, kind of. Yeah, I... I don't know. I'll be interested to see, you know, where the difficulty comes in. Mm-hmm. Back in. Because I certainly, like, I like the difficulty of Dark Souls, but I, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm a childless adult who's been playing video <laughs> games constantly. <laughs> so I, I have the time to put in to get good at, at something. But, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm really excited to find out whatever the hell this game is going to be. And I assume it's going to you got to assume it's going to share a lot of DNA just because all their games do. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Sekiro is very much its own thing, but but it's its own thing that shares a whole lot of DNA at the, at the core of the gameplay with, with Dark Souls. Yeah, you've got to hit those those certain – got to make the game feel right for sure if that's what you're selling their game on. But I, I wonder sometimes with Dark Souls how much story you can put into the game – in a weird way, because like uh, so much of the game feels like going from area to area to area and letting the environment tell the story. I don't know how much fun it would be as if you're getting pulled out every 20 minutes for some exposition dump about why this swamp is poison and what skeletons are in it. And you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. Um, it's interesting to find out kind of almost after the fact, like lore wise, but I don't know. I, I, I think that people are going to expect more from a George R. R. Martin RPG. Right. Yeah, I think any I I would predict that anybody who is coming to Elden Ring specifically because you know like they love Song of Ice and Fire, or I guess there must be people who love wild cards because I hear about this wild cards thing all the time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've heard some of it. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think anybody coming to it for the George R. R. Martin will be disappointed almost immediately because I think the game. The sense that I get is that he sort of wrote the backstory for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, while we were speaking about it earlier, when we were talking about E3, I went to Wikipedia to look, and it did say, unlike traditional RPGs, there won't be towns full of NPCs. Instead, there will just be ruins of those towns. Mm. Thought, yeah, that's a, that actually, by this point, that is traditional. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what we would expect from a From Software game. So I think I think a lot of the a lot of the story is going to be submerged in a lot of the same ways that Dark Souls stories are, but, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting combination of, of super minimalist storytelling. And plus it's, it's pretty high on, it's pretty high on the hype cycle just because it's been kind of dry period right now for games. Right. I mean, like, you know, you got a lot of the same sequels and this and that, but there's not a lot of big IPs, you know, new IPs being announced left and right. Like it felt like there was two or three years ago. And I'm sure that's pandemic, you know, Maybe we get a little mini, you know, burst this E3, but uh, it will be interesting to see kind of where that one goes because you can't convince me that From Software at some point doesn't want to be, you know, hey, we kind of want to step out of the shadow of our games are really hard for really hard people and super hardcore gamers to, yeah, we make RPGs that the average person can enjoy, but it's got a hardcore element or something to it, you know? Um, 
But yeah, anybody else got any that uh, you know games that won them over? All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. So I will say you can check out our website at avocadogamescast.wordpress.com where you can find each episode's link dump that Merv will hopefully be doing because I'm not very good at them. Um, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, search for the Avocado Gamescast and check out the avocado at the-avocado.org. Merv always likes to bring up that he doesn't like the hyphen, so I'll give you guys a little bit of avocado lore. You ready? So when we bought the domain, I had no idea what we were doing, and I didn't know how long the site would even last, or even if it was going to be something that we moved off of discussed channels. Uh, and so somehow adding that hyphen was like half the cost. <laughs> I, think it's in so, I think it's so bad, like search optimization-wise, to have a hyphen in your URL, right? Like it's just unheard of you know but at the time i didn't even know if we were going to actually migrate the site or do anything with it so yeah that's why we did it because i was being cheap and i didn't know how much i didn't know we'd be five years down the line and be like why the hell did i put a hyphen in there <laughs> but, but the hyphen have you plus ever the... thought about, about migrating now oh god no god no no i i am not signing my up I, I want to do the bare minimum to keep it functioning. But, uh, yeah, the .org and the hyphen was like, oh, yeah, we'll give this thing to you for a song. So uh, that's why, because I'm cheap. So, <laughs> I always wanted to tell Merv that, but now I guess I'll have to hear it on the podcast. So it was great having you all. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for making this an easy, as easy as a podcast as it could be without the old big M. Um, and as always, check us out, and everybody have a good night. Take care, everybody. Take care.